Our Old Testament reading is Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And as you're turning there, let me uh, thank the session for the privilege of bringing God's word to you this morning. This is God's holy and inspired word. Please give it your full attention. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And then turning to our text in the New Testament, Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Once more, the word of our God, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word of God is living and active. Uh, these verses that we have read from Philippians 4 are some of the most beloved verses in the New Testament, and that for a good reason. In view 
uh, is our relationship with Jesus Christ. You see that in verse 4. We are to rejoice in the Lord always. And then we have, then we have our relationship with others in verse 5. Let your reasonableness be made known to all. But this morning, I would like for us to start with verse 6, which we could say brings into view our relationship with ourselves. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, here are two commands that are so crucial, so essential to the Christian life. First, do not be anxious about anything. And then secondly, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Simple commands, straightforward commands, but oh, how we struggle with each. Um, we're an anxious people. We worry about so many things. Uh, we worry about that which uh, we're afraid that we, we're not going to be able to hold on to. That is, um, we worry about holding on to a life or to possessions or to reputations or to friendships uh, or to health. There's, the list is endless about what we worry uh, about holding on to. Or the flip side, we're anxious about what we might lack. We might lack money or security or success or fitness. Again, the list goes on in regard to uh, what we worry about and, and lacking. Um, and we all worry about different things, but this is what we share. This is what we share when we worry. We share in the disruption that anxiety and worry brings. When we are filled with anxiety and worry, uh, it disrupts our joy in this life, and it disrupts our peace in this life. But it's not just the first command that we struggle with. We also struggle with praying with thanksgiving. And here the issue is, particularly in our modern times, as we have so many things going on before us, we struggle with basically praying. Uh, we might be well-intentioned, but we go through our days, and before we know it, our head hits the pillow, and we haven't prayed as we should. And yet, um, throughout the New Testament, and particularly in the, the epistles of the Apostle Paul, prayer is so essential to the Christian life. Paul tells the Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. He tells the Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer. He urges Timothy to pray regularly for all people. And we could go on and on with other letters where he makes... Uh, he urges the, the, the believers in these places to pray. And he does so because he knows that prayer brings glory to the living God. But he also knows that prayer is a means of grace. It's a means of grace by which we deepen our communion with the living God. I mean, let's put it bluntly. 
Um, if you're a Christian, um, you must pray. I mean, basically, if you're, if you're not praying, you're saying to Jesus Christ, I don't need you. I don't need your help. I can get by on my own. I can get by on my own strength. And you know what happens when you do that? Uh, when you're thinking that you can get by in your own strength? It only leads to disaster. That's the lesson of the Reformation. That's the le lesson of Martin Luther. Luther knew that looking inward, looking inward to one's ability, to one's works, to stand before the living God, uh, only brings guilt and frustration. We don't pray as we should. And... Uh, not doing so disrupts our joy in this life. And not doing so disrupts our peace in this life. You see, when it comes to living the Christian life, you must look by faith to the one who has died more than that, who was raised and is at the right hand of God at this very moment, interceding for you. But according to the Apostle Paul, it's not just prayer alone. It's prayer with thanksgiving. Here in our verse in uh, Philippians 4, 6, it is by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving that we're to come to our God. And so you can also go back in Paul's letters and you can see how thanksgiving is almost always connected with prayer. So he tells the Colossians, devote yourself to prayer. You know what the very next words are? being watchful in it with thanksgiving. He tells Timothy, uh, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. When he tells the Thessalonians, pray without ceasing, his very next words are, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, why is he making this connection between prayer and thanksgiving? Well, for one thing, Paul knows that a spirit of thanksgiving keeps our prayers and it keeps our lives from being filled with complaint. Um, and what you see then is uh, here in this uh, epistle to the Philippians, <laughs> um, Paul is telling them to do all things without murmuring and complaining, but he's also telling them uh, that to pray with thanksgiving. And he is telling him at the beginning of this epistle that in all his remembrance of them before the living God, he gives thanks. Now that's quite, quite an attitude or quite a stance because you do realize if anyone could, you know, perhaps might be bitter or filled with complaint is the apostle Paul right here because he's writing these very things in chains. He's imprisoned. And yet he's, he's, not, he's not going that direction. Rather, he's giving thanks to the Lord for all things. And he's doing so because he knows that he owes everything to the living God. He knows that he couldn't save himself from his sins. He knows that it's Jesus Christ alone who has achieved the salvation for him. And so that's why, verse 4, chapter 4, he's crying out to rejoice in the Lord always. 
He has new birth. Uh, he has life. He has forgiveness of sins because of what the Lord has done for him. And he's joined to the Lord in faith. Rejoice in the Lord always. And that's why his patience can be known to others in verse 5. Uh, let your gentleness be known, made known to all. Uh, it's because he knows what the Lord has done for him. And he has joy in the Lord that he can be patient with others. Friends, a joy, joyless person isn't patient with others. Isn't gentle with others. Isn't reasonable with others. But the Christian who knows that you owe everything to Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross for you and what he continues to do for you ascended rejoices in that and is able to be patient and reasonable and gentle with others because that's what the Lord has been with us. And then uh, he cries out uh, uh, that uh, he makes a statement then that the Lord is at hand. And that's very intriguing in this passage because like if we're in the Old Testament and the Lord is at hand, that's sobering. Who can stand in the presence of the living God? You know, the holy ground of Moses or we can think of Isaiah 6. And there is that sense all the way through the Bible. But there's another sense here, a redemptive historical sense that the Lord is at hand in the New Testament. And the way that the apostle puts it is this way in, Coloss in, in um, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. He says, behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And there is that sense that the Lord is at hand in that the, the promised day that the prophets uh, dreamed of and, and prophesied about has come with Jesus Christ. And his life, death, and resurrection has ushered in the kingdom of God. And we have now at Pentecost the gift of the Spirit. And what this means, what this means is that there's a new day. There's a new day of confidence because there's a new day of approaching the living God and approaching the living God in prayer. At least that's what the writer to the Hebrews tells us. He tells us that in chapter 4, he tells us that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. He's a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness, a high priest who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So what does the writer of the Hebrews encourage us in light of this, what's happened with the coming of Jesus Christ? He then says, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Let us pray. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace to help in the time of need. That's what's happened. It's a new day. It's a new day of confidence. It's a new day of prayer. So our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says, ask and it will be given to you. Knock, seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. It's a new day. It's a new day of confidence. It's a new day of prayer. Jesus says in John chapter 11, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. This new day of confidence, this new day of prayer, this new day of salvation, this new day of thanksgiving is what has happened because of the work of Jesus Christ. 
and the pouring out of his spirit. It is the fulfillment of Psalm 34 that we have read that when the poor man cries, the Lord hears and he saves those who are crushed and brokenhearted. That's what's happening here. And yet there's even greater richness to this phrase. For Paul also knows, as he articulates in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, that there's only one event left in redemptive history, and that's the return of our Savior upon the clouds and the consummation of all things. We wait for God's Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And so in that sense, Jesus is always near. He's always at hand. And so knowing that to be the case, as we've entered into this new day of confidence, this new day of prayer, we pray for his return. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, with thanksgiving in our hearts that we've been delivered from the wrath to come. And this is the good news we want to share with others, that there will be a consummation. But those who find their hope in Jesus Christ, his shed blood and righteousness, that in him there's a refuge in that day. So what you have here in these verses, you're to rejoice in the Lord always. That's your relationship with the Lord. You're to let your gentleness be known to others. And, and, and Paul's saying, you know, the Lord is near. And this is the case why we should do that. And then he declares... Uh, be anxious about nothing, and by everything, prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And then he follows up in verse 7 with the promise, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, praying with thanksgiving brings peace. But here's what we need to understand from the Bible. Praying with thanksgiving does not create peace. Um, it's absolutely essential that you pray. And it's absolutely essential that you pray with thanksgiving. But that is not creating peace. What has actually happened is because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, uh, it's a matter of you participating in that which you already have in Christ. You see, you already have peace in Jesus Christ. And that is because Christ is the one who has entered into heaven where he now appears in the presence of God on our behalf. You see, that was the issue with the Reformation. That was the issue that Martin Luther was getting at. Who can stand before a holy God? Well, now we have the one who goes before us uh, that one who stands in the presence of God in our behalf. That's why we have peace with God. It's because Jesus Christ has died for our sins and now risen, he intercedes for us in the presence of God. To put it in the language of 1 John 2, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. That's why we have peace with God. But because the Lord sought us out and brought us into this union and saved our hearts and we are now joined to Jesus Christ and he is the one who appears before the Father on our behalf, 
We, what a gift we have entered into. What peace we have entered into. And the imagery here in Philippians in verse 7 is that of a garrison. That's what's happened to Christians. That there's a garrison of peace because of what Jesus Christ has done and continues to do that is guarding your hearts and minds. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now this language, uh, this peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, immediately then is directing us to understand that this garrison of peace is a garrison of heaven. Now why did I say that? It's because of that phrase, it surpasses all understanding. What is Paul meaning? He's meaning that this peace cannot be explained away by anything in this world. There's nothing in this world that can explain away this peace. The wisdom of the world does not uh, comprehend this peace. This peace is beyond human comprehension. This peace is of another realm. This peace is supernatural. And that is the peace that is now standing guard around your hearts and minds in the pilgrimage that is yours in this life. In the pilgrimage that is yours, as you go to that realm, verse 9 of this chapter, where the God of peace dwells. Heaven is that place. Heaven is that realm where everyone will continually be rejoicing in the Lord. Heaven is that realm in which there will be no more sin and death and there will be complete rejoicing in the Lord. Heaven is that realm in which there is no anxiety. There's no anxiety or worry in heaven. God is all in all. Heaven is that realm where there's perpetual thanksgiving unto the Lord. Heaven is that realm of worship and praise and prayer to our risen Savior. Heaven is that realm of perfect peace. And what the Apostle Paul is telling you is because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, who he is and what he has done for you, that peace is yours now and is guarding your hearts now. See, this is a continuation of what he's just told the Philippians at the end of chapter 3. He tells them, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glory body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Why should you rejoice in the Lord always? Why should you be gentle with all people? Uh, why should you be anxious about nothing? Why should you in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, come to the Lord? It's because you know the day of salvation is here. The Lord is at hand. And he has done everything perfectly to bring you to himself. And as you are joined to your Savior by faith, with changed hearts, that thanksgiving is to come to expression in prayer and in serving others. 
and then loving the Lord. That's what you're called to. But here's the thing. As that's what you're called to, friends, that's what brings you the greatest measure of peace and joy in this life. Think of it. The moments of this life that you treasure in your heart most of all, it's not the things of this creation that are passing away. It's when you live in a way that you were made for. You are made to commune with the living God and you are made to love others. And so that's what the Apostle Paul is getting at here. Now, one last thing, and uh, perhaps I should have started here. But why is he making this emphasis? Why is he going to these lengths? Well, there's two ladies in the church that are fighting. First uh, two, they are fighting with one another. Um, and uh, the Apostle Paul, you know, this is his way of, of saying, you know, you shouldn't be tearing one another down. You shouldn't be complaining about the other person. You shouldn't be murmuring. What you should be doing is praying. What you should be doing is praying with thanksgiving in your heart for the other person. What you should be doing is, as you're rejoicing in the Lord, to be patient and gentle with the other person. How's that other person going to change? Or how's that other person, how are you going to help that other person? How are you going to prefer that other person in love? Uh, it's by praying for them even praying for them with thanksgiving. Because you know, when you do that, what you're doing, you're exhibiting the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, chapter two of Philippians. He's the one that prefers us in love. And what does he do? <laughs> even when we are those uh, who are so unworthy, even when we are those who do not follow after him, as we should, he's the one who prays to his Father for us without ceasing. And he's the one who prays to the Father for us with thanksgiving in his heart. It's amazing, the love. We're the apple of his eye. He's loved us from all eternity. He promises to love us for all eternity. And he showed his love to us now in sending his son to die for our sins. This is your God. How can you not have thanksgiving in your heart for him? How can you not have joy in your heart? And how can you not come to him in prayer? We get so wrapped up in life in this world. And it, the world around us is going mad. We do live in, in the fallen evil age. But we are so blessed because the Lord has been so gracious to us in the gift of his son. 
And he has been so gracious to us in the gift of his spirit. And he has worked in our hearts that we might know that this is a pilgrimage unto heaven above. And we're to know that as we make that pilgrimage now, we're already citizens of heaven. We already have that peace. So what we're called to do is to cultivate that as we make our way to be with our God. And so my plea for you is uh, write yourself a little note. Pray. Pray about praying more. Get friends you know, together. Help yourselves to pray with thanksgiving unto the Lord for all things. And you know what? That is the greatest sound that can come from this church to impact this community. That they would know that this is a praying body that your trust and your confidence is solely in the, the Lord and that you are rejoicing in him and that you're being reasonable with one another and that you have the belief that no matter what happens in this life, you are not undone because you know that there's a garrison of peace that is guarding your hearts and minds as you make your way to be with your God in heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we do thank you again for your word, and we do thank you, Lord, that you have loved us when we have not loved you. Help us, O oh Lord, uh, to seek after you, to pray, to serve, to love, to give. Thank you so much for Bethel Church. Thank you for Pastor Dan. Please put a hedge around him and guard him as he preaches Christ and him crucified. But be with us all here. May we in this community show forth uh, that we have our new creation, that we've been born from above, and that Jesus Christ is the author and perfecter of our salvation, and that the good news is found in him. This we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.